0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Very warm welcome everybody. This is Box. The headlines this hour. Apple spikes in extended trade as stronger demand for services helps offset declining iPhone revenues and the tech giant delivers better than expected second quarter guidance. The S&P 500 hits another record high, marking its best start to the year since 1987, and joins the Dow and Nasdaq in its fourth positive month in a row.
1: Meanwhile, the president, Mr Trump, says the US economy could wait for it go up like a rocket if the Fed cuts rates ahead of the central bank's latest policy decision today.
2: Violence erupts on the streets of Venezuela after anti-government protesters clash with government forces as opposition leader Juan Guaido calls on his supporters
3: to rise against President Maduro. And I'm Hadley Gamble, live from L.A., where the head of the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia tells me he's not worried about their multi-billion dollar investment in Uber.
4: Uber is totally different than Lyft. Uh, uh, of course, it's a ride-sharing uh, company, but it's a ride-sharing company not only in the U.S., but all over the world. Lyft was the pioneer the and uh, paved the way for all the other companies who were doing uh, ride-sharing.
1: What I like about this show is it has lots of ideas and it has competing ideas and we just give them all to you and you can make your own investment decisions. That is our mantra. That is the score box thing. And when I listened to Jeff's headline about Apple and iPhone there as well, and we're going to have a long conversation about this in a few moments time, it got me thinking... Really? Was it all about the beating the number? Was it all about the guidance? Was it all about the revenues? I'll come to that in a few seconds time. But first, I've got to fill you in with the rest of the markets as well. NASDAQ down eight tenths of one percent. The S&P barely above water. The Dow Jones Industrial Average two tenths of one percent higher. What I've been saying to you as well, and I've been saying since I'm blue in the teeth for the last 20 years, is the fact that uh, in a flat market, there is lots of other stuff going on as well. Take yesterday, for instance, I thought it was very interesting. There was a over four percent difference between the best- Performing sector and the worst performing sector yesterday. So there's a lot of rotation going on. And yesterday it was the turn of, wait for it, utilities, yeah, to have the gaining the upper hand. So a defensive bias to the market yesterday, up 1.7% as opposed to communication services down 2.6%. I'm going to mention the data briefly before we go into some detail on Apple. FOMC day. And we know what they're going to say. In fact, you could have actually probably pulled out an FOMC statement from a year ago, two years ago, uh, ahead of today's because they're going to say that there's underlying weakness in the inflation market, up 1.6% the latest PCE, as you well know, but there is strength in the employment market. And of course, we have got payroll data on Friday. In lieu of that, what do you make of the data yesterday as well? You had Chicago PMIs positive, but coming down from the previous highs. Conference board data looks strong and pending home sales were up 3.8%. A lot of data today, as well as the FMC, ADP, manufacturing PMIs, manufacturing IS and have a look at light vehicle sales. I do because I'm fascinated to see whether people are buying more cars or if they're buying those cars because the incentives are greater as well. Right, back to Apple. I'm just gonna chuck this one into the mix before Karen does the read and Elizabeth gives us a talk through as well. Was it all about the guidance? Was it all about the numbers? Or oh, wait for it, and that's is staggering. We were talking about standard chartered shares rallying yesterday on the back of, wait for it, a $1 billion share buyback, yeah? What do you think the number was at Apple, viewers? $75 billion increase to their program. Were they running because of that? Karen, good morning and
2: also raised the dividend by 5%, so yeah. plenty of cash for investors. Well, let's just take a quick look at the shares. Uh, Apple shares rose in extended hours after the tech giant reported a slide in second quarter earnings but met expectations. Revenue for the period also beat Wall Street forecast despite a 5% drop compared to the previous year. The iPhone maker was boosted by signs that a slowdown in China was easing, as well as a strong performance in its apps and music streaming services. Elizabeth has more for us. Uh, many investors picking up on that share buyback program, the extra dividend, but also the guidance that has been raised now for the next quarter because of signs of hope around China. What did you make of the report card that Apple posted?
5: That's right. So there's a beat on the top and bottom line for its fiscal second quarter. But it was mostly about that guidance when it comes to the financials apple guiding for revenues of between 52.5 billion and 54.5 billion at the midpoint of the range that's about one and a half billion more than investors had expected so that is better guidance for its fiscal third quarter than we had been looking for but this big announcement was as steve mentioned the 75 billion dollar buyback and that was what a lot of at least the early attribution for this stock price move is pointing to a huge um, number in the increase in dividend as well. Looking to just a quick breakdown of where Apple's revenues came from in this last quarter, just to give you the numbers, we saw overall iPhone sales continuing to decline, minus 17%. iPhone revenues were at $31.05 billion. So, we are continuing to see general trend towards lower iPhone revenues. And then, of course, that all-important services number coming in at $11.45 billion. That was growth of 16% compared to this quarter last year. And this plays into that services story that Apple is trying to play a little bit of numbers behind this kind of rebranding that it's been pushing over the past few quarters, finally.
2: It felt like a noisy old period to me because the market was guided lower this year on the back of the Chinese problems. And there's been a trade fight that's been playing out between two countries. The tone seems to be improving, according to Tim Cook. However, if we get through all this noise and come back to the iPhone sales, We've gone peak iPhone, haven't we?
5: We've, we've. In many ways, there was no focus on the idea that iPhone's sales could ever rebound toward the levels they once were at. I will say we are going to get new figures today from the overall smartphone market, and there is only one player whose sales have increased in the first quarter, and that's Huawei. So an interesting kind of shift happening here as Apple continues to just see that shift away from iPhone sales. Peak iPhone maybe isn't a crazy idea, and that was why there was so much focus not just on services, there was actually quite a big focus on the earnings call on the wearables and pod division too, which is kind of this other hardware segment that Apple's really pushing now.
2: Well, let's uh, bring in Amit Kumar, who is U.S. equities and portfolio manager at Columbia Threadneedle Investments. Amit, uh, let's just get your voice in on the Apple numbers. What did you think? Different components that we saw reported across from wearables to the, the iPhone sales. Did you think there was much left in this report card to give investors a reason to buy the stock?
6: Now, uh, look, the expectations going into the quarter were very low because June is seasonally a slow quarter for Apple. And then uh, given the rally in the stocks, people were thinking the numbers are probably not going to be as, as good. But a lot of things happened. Uh, uh, there were at least four or five tailwinds uh, in this quarter. So last couple of quarters, what we've seen is a decline in the... Uh, you know, training tra- 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 twelve months revenues for Apple in every single category except services, and that trend seems to have stopped with the guidance. So you're at two fifty eight billion dollars of run rate on the uh, you know train train twelve months, which is going to be upticking next quarter per their guidance. So that was one. Um, China was a very important piece of this story because China is right now at $44.5 billion of uh, you know uh, uh, last 12-month uh, earnings uh, revenues. But with China, there's a, quite a few things happening. iPad was double-digit positive. Um, they had a very strong march in general. So the guidance is partly informed by a very strong march sales year over year. Um, within China, in the month of April, the VATs have gone down from, uh, I think, 17 to 13. So that's going to be a driver uh, for Apple. And a lot of these things are sort of uh, um, dovetailing into a strong China.
0: I don't see it in your top 10 as of the 31st of March 2019.
6: We do have a position in Apple. You do have a position. Yes. When did you enter and uh, how big? So we started buying in December um, as as it started going down. We added a bit in January and uh, that's what's reflected in our public filing and obviously we couldn't buy as much as we wanted uh, because the market started rallying uh, in the month of January.
0: Karen and Steve have both pointed out how probably the main reason why we saw such a bump for the share price was because of the buyback and because of the dividend. This is the uh, first year on year uh, decline I think in iPhone sales that we've seen registered for Apple. Do we then take it that the quality of the underlying story is deteriorating but people are happy to own it because they look at the return to shareholders and it's a no-brainer
6: so it's a glass half full glass half empty uh, if you look at the pure iphone story i um, sure the gross margins the operating margins are obviously much lower but then if you look at the services part of the business the gross margins are north of 65 percent and that business is growing uh, gangbusters. So uh, if you add the two, uh, basically, while the overall gross margin should decline is staying flat, and so is the operating earnings, which basically means uh, this is a $258 billion revenue company, trillion dollar company, which can still continue to show growth, um, even though it's a low single digit. So. It's a glass half half, uh, empty.
5: One of my lingering questions after this report is on that services business because we still have just a lack of detail on the figures behind it. We don't know how much this streaming service is going to cost. We don't even know ultimately how many users are being targeted for the video platform. How long can investors buy into this promise that Apple's making without any kind of data behind it is my question.
6: Well, if you're looking at the forward-looking uh, numbers, obviously, there's, there's no clue. Uh, but if you look at purely the numbers, I mean, numbers are real. They have a $42 billion run rate. Obviously, some of it is double dipping into the warranties they sell for iPhone, et cetera. But then if you look at the paid subscribers, I mean, that is a metrics that they do give out. And that's at 390 million. They're telling you it's going to be at 500 in 2020. some point in 2020, it's going to cross. That's Pretty solid uh, increase in some, So again, uh, half half full, half empty, depending on how you want to look at it. Um,
1: it's a cash machine. The company has been previously as well. We look at the cash pile. One thing I noticed in the staggeringly large buyback figure is it's a big chunk of the established understanding of what the cash pile was already. A quarter of a trillion dollars seems to be the mean figure that people look at for the amount of cash they've got as well. Given their commitments, given their bond market commitments, I presume there are some as well, given their customer acquisition commitments and streaming commitments, and now buyback commitments as well to such a great extent, how long will they have such a large cash pile and is it growing or going smaller in a dramatic fashion?
6: It's not going down in dramatic fashion. I think uh, it's, even it's, with
1: that huge buyback,
6: right? So, and that's again paced out over a period of time. It's not happening in one go. Um, if you look at their historic, I think the payout ratio is, is reasonable. Yeah. Um, this quarter alone, they had thirty plus billion dollars of uh, you know cash flow. So, uh, okay. I, if you look at the overall annual cash flow, is pretty solid. And what they really have been paying out is out of the cash flows, not from the, they have not been dipping into the balance sheet in the past. Okay. So um, it seems pretty solid.
1: Stay with us. Um, Elizabeth, I think you're leaving us for now, but uh, thank you very much indeed for thank setting you. us up with the Apple conversation as well. Um, meanwhile, Karen, Alphabet.
2: Yeah, we saw a reversal in the shares in uh, After Hours. Alphabet shares fell to their worst close since April 2010 after the tech giant reported slowing advertising numbers at Google. Alphabet also posted its lowest quarterly revenue growth in three years earlier this week and missed Wall Street estimates. These slide shaved off more than $67 billion from Alphabet's market cap.
1: Facebook announced that it is rolling out an overhauled <laughs> website and a mobile app as the social media giant looks to nudge users towards new types of engagement. The new design eliminates Facebook's iconic blue banner and emphasises private groups and visual stories. The CEO, Mark Zuckerberg, said, quote, Groups are at the heart, not just friends. Oh, and that's how I feel about us. The Box team is at the heart, we're not just friends.
2: That's right. Uh, Steve, I want to take you to some of the market action we saw over the course of the month. And the performance for tech companies, well and truly worth noting, Apple, now we we of course have had uh, some earnings out and we'll look for a reaction to that, but so far the performance for the month of April, the stock up 5.6%. Keep in mind Apple among some of the better performers over the course of this year, that 5% comes as the stock has put on about 27% so far this year. Alphabet, uh, a rough day on the street yesterday on the back of its numbers. uh, A very poor performance from the company as uh, it posted numbers that disappointed. And you can see uh, that's impacted the course of the monthly performance, 1.8% higher. The stock also slightly under the performance you've seen elsewhere in the sector. It's been up at 14% so far this year. Let's just uh, switch over the charts to Facebook. Uh, very, very strong performance. been a huge recovery story right through 2019 for Facebook. And the stock has bounced a whopping double digit 16% over the course of April. Uh, over the course of the year, it has been up about 47 plus percent. Now to Amazon, uh, which has been the mix of performers for the tech sector, 28% over the course of the year. 8% of that fall length during the month of April. So, tech uh, stocks were the place to be in communication services for some of these names. Jeff.
0: Thanks very much. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the interview that was done overnight. Coming up on the program, the managing director of Saudi Arabia's Public Investment Forum tells CNBC in an exclusive interview that Uber is considered a local company in the Middle East. We'll have more revelations when we come back.
1: And let me just tell you here at CNBC, we work really hard on our questions for various guests, but easy questions question for the CFO of Sainsbury Uh, as the British supermarket reports first question first results uh, this for the quarter uh, one week after regulators blocked its takeover of Asda so first on interview Kevin O'Brien Byrne if you're watching uh, what are you doing next that's the question really The managing director of the Saudi Public Investment Fund has hailed the global reach of Uber, telling CNBC in an exclusive interview the ride-sharing firm is more diverse than its competitors. Uber is expected to list in the coming weeks. Well, Hadley has been speaking to Yasser Al-Rumayan at the Milken Summit in LA and joins us with more. Hadley, I'd imagine when you get uh, one of the key gentlemen from Saudi Arabia from the PIF in LA, not a million miles away from Silicon Valley, I bet he's pestered by a few people desperate for his investment.
3: You are not wrong about that, Steve. Essentially, getting close to this guy is a very, very serious, serious business. And it does require that you chase him halfway around the world to do it. So coming here from Dubai, a big question, of course, on the minds of everyone in the region is not just about what this is going to mean in terms of the IPO of Uber for that Kareem investment, but also what it really means for the public investment fund. Because you remember that they invested three and a half billion dollars in Uber back in June of 2016. They did that uh, as one of their key. Kind of first investments under Mohammed bin Salman, the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia's major plans for the Vision 2030. This was quite controversial, as you may recall, about whether or not this was the right place to put the PIFs' money. I asked him, given what we've seen with Lyft and their IPO, are you worried at all about what could happen with Uber? Let's listen in.
4: Uber is totally different than Lyft. Uh, uh, of course, it's a right-sharing company, but it's a right-sharing company not only in the U.S., but all over the world. Lyft was the, the pioneer and uh, paved the way for all the other companies who were doing uh, ride sharing. Ride sharing is not the only thing that they do. That's one of their businesses. Uber Eats is amazing thing, and it's, I think uh, when we got in, it wasn't even in our valuation. ATG, which is the autonomous uh, vehicle, that was n- nothing in our uh, valuation. So if you add them all up, I think it's gonna be a really great, great company. It has the market share in the U.S., and it has the market share all over the world. And it's bringing some new services and uh, products to the world. And in
3: terms of that acquisition that we saw, $3 billion plus uh, for Kareem, um, what do you think that that's going to do uh, for the region in terms of as a major strategic investment, but also a knock-on effect to the private sector um, to really get them back involved in the market? What is that going to do to the aspirations of the folks sitting in Saudi Arabia and the broader Middle East?
4: I mean, Uber and Karim both will be considered as local companies in Saudi Arabia and the Middle East. Uh, uh, the number of uh, jobs that Uber brought to Saudi individuals, I think, like more than a hundred thousand uh, jobs, which is something really great, and that's why people like uh, the whole idea of having uh, ride sharing and, and uh, Uber. What's gonna, what is it going to bring to the uh, to the? Uh, to the Middle East, I think it's going In gonna, terms of that ecosystem. Yeah, I mean, the ecosystem is there, and it's it's improving. And I think if uh, companies stop uh, the price wars that they do, I think they can focus more on the uh, on the services that is provided to, to the people. So I think it's, all in all, I think it's going to be very much positive for the people and for the Uber as a company.
3: That's Saudi Arabia's head of their public investment fund, that $300 billion sovereign wealth fund, with that basically saying there, you know, we don't think that Uber has anything to do with this Lyft IPO. We're not concerned at all about the fact that the Lyft IPO hasn't done as well as expected. And, of course, that is part of the conversation here in L.A., especially when you talk to all of the big tech folks that have been gathering at that Milken Summit that we've been attending over the last couple of days. Now, I have been focused, uh, no surprise, I am sure, to all of you guys, very much on the Middle East, very much on the oil situation, the geopolitics of that situation. I had the chance to catch up. Uh, with a couple of different ministers and uh, big investors from the region over the last couple of days, one of whom, though, the ambassador from the UAE uh, to the United States, he's very well known in the diplomatic circles in Washington, Yusaf Teba. And I asked him, "What's your deepest concern here?" Because when we're sitting back and we're talking to investors, they're talking to me about uh, the sanctions. When it comes to the heightened rhetoric between Washington and Tehran, they're talking to me about. Well, how realistic it could be that there would be a disruption in the flows coming out of the Strait of Hormuz? And I asked him, you know, what's the thing that's actually concerning you when you talk to folks in Washington? Listen it.
4: The more we work with China, even through just an economic lane, is starting to get people in Washington nervous. Absolutely. But we don't look at China as a threat. And so trying to get our colleagues to say, to understand that, we want to do business with the united states and the united states is one of our most if not our most important strategic ally but we also want to do business with china and we want to make sure those two don't conflict i think this is going to be an increasingly difficult to issue to navigate in the future the way i see the us china
3: that was uae's ambassador to washington yusuf alotaiba essentially saying you know that that folks were noticing that Xi Jinping made that massive visit and, and that the, all of the surrounding hoopla that we saw over his visit to the UAE and all of the investments that we've seen uh, as a result of that. Of course, obviously, Saudi Arabia very, very much involved in terms of uh, going to Beijing again and again. Yasser Al uh, al-rayyan the head of the PIF, telling me in this exclusive interview as well, guys, that you know China's looking more and more attractive to them. He's been there four or five times since he took over as the manager director of the public investment fund, and that they're definitely going to be opening an office in Asia to focus very, very much on that China relationship. So a lot of folks in Washington getting a little bit more uncomfortable about that situation, certainly in in very much in the same vein that we saw them getting uncomfortable with the situation with Russia when it comes to their relationship with Saudi Arabia and the UAE and how that's really changing the game geopolitically as well into the energy space. So a lot of different conversations. Personally, uh, I have to say it was absolutely worth the chase, guys. It's great to be in L.A.
2: (laughs) Well, go and enjoy, Hadley. Thank you very much for bringing us the latest.
1: (laughs) Very very similar to me, isn't it? Just... Down at down at well, Abingdon Green
0: chasing
1: the Brexit politicians. Yes, yeah. just, just as glamorous oh, Or Jeff
0: down in Moscow. Yeah, when I'm sat on my, or stood on my balcony, <laughs> hanging out of a building balcony, uh, a with plaque. the White House down the road in the background. It's Very similar, very similar uh, to uh, LA. Uh, yeah. Are you saying that Hanley no, lives a no. more glamorous lifestyle than us? Well,
1: me Which in Barcelona
2: a with 100,000 people to try and push through. Yeah, now uh, you Barcelona know uh, is lovely. Mm. With 100,000 people yeah. there in one conference. So, uh, it's no, you <laughs> I think
0: Barcelona's fine. I mean, yeah, it's It's a bit of tapas, pop out Let's push
2: on, shall we? Uber has taken it to investor roadshow to New York ahead of its hotly anticipated IPO. I think we might chase that one. The ride-sharing firm is aiming for a valuation of between $80.5 billion to $91.5 billion. According to multiple reports, CEO Dara Khosrowshahi was quizzed about the firm's stalling growth by potential investors in New York. Let's come back to Ahmed Kumar, U.S. equities portfolio manager at Columbia's Threadneedle Investment Summit. Ahmed, I thought it was fascinating they didn't tell anyone the location of the roadshow until three hours before because they were worried about protesting drivers, journalists turning up and asking tough questions. It seems investors didn't ask the tough question about when profits are going to come. Apparently they did not come up once. Does it not matter when it comes to Uber?
6: Well, um, the growth for the ride-sharing business is maturing, so obviously that's where most of the tough questions would come in. and obviously uh, the biggest and fastest growing areas in Southeast Asia and other places they have a passive stake. They don't have a direct stake. Uh, They have a partnership with Didi and Yandex and Grab. So um, the only place where they're actually having a shot is Middle East where they will buy uh, Kareem if the deal goes through. Uh, But yes, I mean, the, the, the growth has been sort of maturing within the ride-sharing business, and a lot of people did focus on that, but uh, I think Uber did a good job in terms of focusing on Uber Eats and Uber Freight. Uh, again, I mean, uh, what the long-term uh, growth potential for that business is is, is obviously uh, up for debate, uh, but they've been able to show 100% growth in gross bookings there, so they've been able to offset some of the questions around growth or maturing growth uh, during the conversations.
0: So so, so let's cut to the chase. Do you own Lyft? And are you going to buy Uber?
6: So, um, well, uh, as you'd see in our public filings, basically, we do not own uh, Lyft. um, But both uh, Lyft and Uber um, are virtual duopolies within the US within the ride share market and at some point in time when, uh, you know, as these companies go through their maturing cycle with investment phase, they, um, they you know, obviously offer attractive risk reward and uh, that's the point. What's we the most consider.
0: compelling tech story in your portfolio?
6: So our largest position is Alphabet um, and that's uh, been the case for almost four years now.
0: And the numbers yesterday didn't trouble you?
6: So uh, well, I can complain about 19% growth, but that's still 19% growth off of a $30 billion run rate quarterly uh, so it's almost like four billion dollars of growth that is opening up four startups in a quarter
0: thank you for listening to squawk box europe express for more market moving news you can head to cnbc.com
2: or join us again on the show with jeff cutmore steve sedgwick and karen Show weekdays on cnbc